In this week's Leeds Business Podcast, we speak to Lisa Shepherd and Saskia Roskam about their North Leeds business, The Biscary, a business built on the power of kindness. Lisa and Saskia tell us how their hobby turned into a real business following a cold email from Penguin Books, how COVID drove rather than killed their business, and how their ethos and values drive everything. They also teach us how to harness the power of working mums, something you might want to do in your business. So, to make sure you never miss out on every episode of the Leeds Business Podcast, sign up to our priority list at www.leedsbusinesspodcast.com. Everyone that signs up gets a free gift to help their business. So, let's get into what is a really fun and inspiring interview. On today's Leeds Business Podcast, we have Lisa and Saskia from The Biscary. Hi, girls. Hello. Hi. So, tell us, how did the whole business start? So, uh, I'm Saskia, this is Lisa, and we um, moved to Leeds from our respective home countries, the Netherlands and Germany, um, in about 2011-2012, and we both started working for a digital marketing agency in Leeds, and it transpired that we both really liked baking, um, and over a super long email thread of, I think, about two years where we dreamt about starting a cafe, um, in 2016, we finally actually made it happen. Well, not the cafe, but we, we did go to market. Um, and yeah, that was Leeds, uh, no, Kirkstall Deli Market, um, where we sold cakes, pies, biscuits, all with recipes from our um, home countries because we wanted to introduce Germanic flavors uh, to the people of Leeds and Yorkshire. That was our USP before Brexit. We thought um, Germanic covers both our countries, but then not just because of Brexit, but after Brexit, we ditched, we ditched that strap line. We're like, maybe it's not going down so well. It's not going <laughs> to help us. Okay, so the business started as a as a hobby, I suppose. Yeah, it was a proper glorified hobby. Yeah, we we didn't have a business plan as such. We liked the idea of having a cafe, but we knew it wasn't going to work for us with, you know, having children, young children. Um, so until we had a plan, we just did, you know, we just did something. So we met and baked and we enjoyed each other's company and we enjoyed having this little space for just us to be us because we were working in this uh, digital marketing agency still, we had young children and uh, meeting and baking was our time to, to connect with each other, reconnect with our own selves and do something just for us and then obviously bring that joy to other people through our bakes. Okay, so you, you start as a hobby and then how did that progress? So... As mentioned, we have a digital marketing background. So when we went to market on the 26th of March, 2016, we had actually already launched our website in February, 2016. Um, and the only reason we did that is because we didn't really have any business um, sense. The only thing that we knew is that all the companies that we worked for in the digital marketing agency had a website. So we probably should also have one. Um, but we never had, the, we didn't have an e-commerce website. We didn't plan to sell online. It was just something that businesses had, um, in our view. Um, so went to market, had the website, um, we did a market stall every month, I think. Um, and then many sold to friends, many sold to friends. Yeah. Um, and we, in 2019, I think we got an email from Penguin Publishers. I remember sitting in my friend's kitchen and looking at my email and thinking, oh, I just got an email from Penguin Publishers. How odd. Um, and they were looking for branded biscuits for an event in Harrogate. And, um, and so we were like, well, I mean, I, I guess we can do that. Um, so that was our first um, B2B order. And then I think it was almost that same year. Uh, around that same time, we got an email from a lady down in London who had a friend in Leeds who had just given birth to a baby and she really wanted to send her a box of biscuits with the baby's name on the biscuits. Um, and they found us, both of them found us through a web 
page of, on our website that was called Personalized Biscuits, I think. Um, and we said yes to both orders and we just made it happen, even though we'd never um, done anything like it before. And it wasn't profitable. We spent so much time on those orders, mm. but um, it was obviously the start of, of what we do now. So it was worth doing. Okay, so that was uh, so that's the point where um, the the cool kids would call it a pivot. Yes, yeah, we weren't that cool then. No, and we didn't plan for any of it. As I said, it was just um, just play. We were just enjoying the the process and we're looking where where it would take us. And um, because of that, I suppose we could be steered into where the demand was, and we could respond to what people needed. And that seemed to be personalized and branded biscuits. We didn't, we had no idea that that was a niche, that was a thing. Um, but it turned out there were a few bigger players in the field and then lots of smaller ones. And we were kind of in that sweet spot of being able to fulfill um, deeply personalized orders, highly bespoke orders, but in fairly large volumes. Um, and um, and then with a digital marketing background, we we could be found online, which was a huge, a huge, uh, you know, bonus because uh, to pay an SEO agency to make that happen would have cost thousands, and we didn't pay ourselves for years, so we didn't have any money for that. So from that pivot from Germanic flavors to personalized biscuits, at what point did you say, right, this could be a this could be a proper job and, and we're, we're going to have to take that leap of faith and, and ditch our jobs. So I, I always remember a conversation I had with Saskia in um, Christmas 2019 when we were packing a huge Christmas hamper order for KPMG in her bedroom because we'd run out of space everywhere else in our houses. And um, I looked at her and I said, why are we doing this? You know, we're working like donkeys. We still have our day jobs. We have two kids each. We have very little family support because we're not from here. Um, and and I, I just, I was like, why? You know, I'm enjoying it, but why? And she said, I think it's because of all the learning. We're learning so much. We're learning about this business world. We're learning about ourselves. We're learning about, um, you know, personal development, all of this. And, um, and I felt like, yeah, but th there's a little bit more. So then, then a pandemic came shortly after. And, um, and that was a time where we're all forced to reassess where we are in life and what's important to us. Um, and it was also a time where I met a business coach and he, I guess, opened my eyes to the possibilities and just he, he kept saying, you can do all of this. You just need to do it. And I think we were a bit insecure. We're quite um, risk averse people. You know, we'd never taken any outside investment. Everything is bootstrapped, started from our 500 pound investment um so the way we did business was when we could afford it we did the next step but we never kind of um went out there to, to risk too much um but then the decision was made for us in a certain to a certain extent because Saskia got made redundant um and then we saw such a huge spike in orders during the pandemic for several reasons I mean maybe you want to get into the the gratitude biscuits that we were sent out during the pandemic but I then decided to also quit my job and to go all in because we thought if we can survive a pandemic when so many businesses are struggling and if we because we had the B2C and the B2C, B2B side um, the one could carry the other. Um, we thought it's, it's, you know, now or never, let's risk it. So then we, we took that risk and it paid off. So, so from your point of view. COVID was a positive. I mean, obviously, lots and lots of business. COVID was a negative for you guys. It was a positive. It was that. It was that shove in the back that pushed you off the cliff. Yeah, it yeah. was. Yeah, it was a. Um, I just remember that first lockdown. I think it was like twentieth of March or something, and the twenty-first of March. I remember calling Lisa saying, um, "Okay, it's probably going to be quiet." for the next six months, because by that time we really had built up quite a good B2B um, volume into our business. And obviously that was all going to just go. Nobody was doing events. Nobody was getting together. Nobody was, do you know what I mean? Like everything just came to a standstill. So, and then we both kind of almost at the same time said, okay, but what can we do? Because obviously, you know, there were people in these critical um 
uh, working areas like you know that were needed during the pandemic but we weren't doing anything critical so we looked at each other and we were like okay well we can bake so we can send out biscuits because it's not like we're, we're baking biscuits for, for anybody else why don't we just give them away for free um so that's when we started um giving away biscuits for free nobody really knew about this it was really quiet quietly done because nobody even knew we existed um and then uh the media got hold of it and um it was featured on the bbc and leeds list i think and one morning we opened our email inboxes and it was just minute after minute after minute like the emails were coming through with people requesting free biscuits and you must realize that at the time we were homeschooling our two children we were working for our day job still and we were baking every single evening these free biscuits that we were sending out because people were it, they had to send us an email with the reason why they were nominating somebody so these were super personal emails that we would get you know Oh, my sister who's down south working in London in the hospital wards. And you were like, oh, my God, she deserves a biscuit. But then there was another person up in Scotland who's, you know, whose sister was having a baby. Know, and yeah, and you're like, oh, my God, everybody deserves a biscuit. So yeah. it was, I was literally, uh, yeah, that was the most incredible period because the B2B orders died. People wanted free biscuits. At a certain point, we had to say no because we just physically couldn't do it anymore. It was just too much. Um, and so we changed the um, um, the scheme and made it a little bit more streamlined so that we could actually uh, make it happen. But it meant that we had to limit the amount of biscuits that were available. But what happened then is that people were so enthused by the idea of the biscuits that people actually bought them. So they started buying the actual B2C biscuits. And so the, the, the online shop just took off. Nobody had ever bought anything online before that uh, in the B2C shop. And all of a sudden, all these personal orders were coming in. And, and that was really the start of, okay, so we have B2B and we have B2C. Then I was made redundant in the summer of 2020. And it was like, let's do it. Let's do it. Off the back of that, we had the best Christmas that we'd ever had. Um, and that really was the birth of a, of a real business all of a sudden. And of our ethos, because we, we we experience that power of kindness and the the impact those little biscuits had on people. You know, the messages we got from people who had ordered the biscuits to send them to a family member or friend during COVID were just so heartwarming. You know, people saying it made such a difference. They, you know, they cried when they opened the box and they um we felt so much more connected and, and that made us realise that it's not just it's not just the biscuit, it's it's the message on the biscuit, it's the thought, um and all you know, taking all those love languages that those biscuits speak. So that um that made us realise that that this is something we need to shout out about more in our business. And just, just going back to um, the free biscuits, and we're recording on a Tuesday, and now the free biscuits go out on a Tuesday on Gratitude Day, don't they? Tell us about that briefly. They do, yeah. So when the pandemic, obviously, the, all the lockdowns were lifted, we thought we can't really justify keeping that running anymore. But we had enjoyed it so much that we thought we'd like to keep it going. So we put our heads together and we said, how about... We launched something weekly and then at that point we had both um, done a lot of work with, with that coach and, and separately about you know personal development and, and had just come across gratitude and like really feeling and leaning into the little things in life that, that we can all be grateful for because we, we are the lucky ones really if you look around in the world what's, what's happening. We, we are so blessed um, and we thought it'd be nice to encourage other people to practice a bit of gratitude and obviously extend that to people more than anything. Um, so every Tuesday we send out a limited amount of free thank you biscuits, our signature jam biscuits embossed with a thank you message. Um, there is a, a little personalized note included so people can obviously know who it's from um, and we send them out free of charge every Tuesday. It opens at 10 and usually by 20 seconds past 10 they're all gone because people have got wind of them now um 
but it's it's a lovely we always say it's a win-win-win situation so the person who receives the biscuit obviously wins because they get a free biscuit the person who sends the biscuit wins because they feel you know that they're really making someone's day and we win because we can facilitate all that so it's um yeah it's a lovely little thing that's happening every tuesday and i'm guessing it's a fantastic loss leader as well must generate loads of business yeah i mean I don't it does obviously um and I think because it's so in line with our ethos and our values um it just reinforces the message behind our 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 business in a in a real tangible way um it's um it's honestly I never thought that we would do this. It was it was never discussed on some some kind of PR table about what are we going to do to, you know, to to make ourselves more visible. It it genuinely came from from us and our and our um, intention of of doing good and and connecting people. Um, and I think when it comes from a place that is that real, a it means you can sustain it. And I and I genuinely think that people believe and, and 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 feel that when we talk about gratitude day and these these free thank you biscuits and it's 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 honestly one of the the most lovely things that 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 we do in this business and i'm i'm so fortunate and grateful um that we've created this space where we can give give back give back always and i never really like how that sounds but um or maybe pay, pay forward. forward i don't i don't know yeah and so, okay, let's fast forward a little bit. You've both quit your jobs. You've got a, a B2C and a B2B arm going. And then the the company's exploded now, hasn't it? Talk us through that. Yeah, that was a funny moment as well because the the tricky bit was always that we were baking from home. So we'd known for a long time that we needed to work on the business rather than in the business, but we didn't have premises, so we couldn't really hire anybody to help us with the baking because no one would come to my house at 7 p.m. and and bake from my little oven. So we had friends help us pack biscuits every now and then, but it just wasn't sustainable. It wasn't. We didn't have a solution for this issue. So when we quit our jobs, the first thing we said was, "Okay, now we need to move out of our home kitchens. We need to find premises and we need to hire people." But that's obviously the catch-22 because at that point the orders hadn't shot up yet to the extent that we could really afford all of this um so we did things our way <laughs> so unconventional very unconventional so we reached out to our old employer which had made you know Saskia redundant because all the Dutch clients left you know it had nothing to do with her abilities um and that I had quit and said we know that your canteen is empty because everyone's working remotely can we use your kitchen <laughs> So that was the first commercial premises, it was very affordable um, and it was a bit of a bar to deal really because they got three biscuits out of it, all the cutoffs, all the, you know, reject, rejects they, they could enjoy. We made weekly biscuits for them, like specifically, um, paid them a little bit of money but didn't break the bank. Um, and then we recruited for our first um, member of the team. We had uh, three interviews and we liked all of them. So rather than giving one full-time role to one person, we gave three part-time roles to three people. Again, doing it slightly complicated, um, but it again paid off because those ladies um, could then evolve into other roles. They've been with us from the start. Um, and we, you know, we didn't take a huge risk because all of them were just doing 10 hours. We could afford that. Um, and that's when we really could finally look, look at all these things we, we never had time for. We, we then revamped our packaging. We just streamlined so many things. We looked into tools that could help us be more efficient. Mm -hmm. uh, so that changed everything. So that first, those first six months in 2021, um, yeah, were, were a huge change. And then we realized we need to change our name. So that was the next huge project. Um, and yeah, our team grew from there. So now we're a team of nine, um, mainly working mums, um, kind of kept that part-time model. Why did you, why did you change the name? Uh, we, we wanted to trademark 
Bloom Bakers. That was our that's 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 the name that we traded under for was it six years, Bloom Bakers. Um and I think why did we want to trademark? I don't know. <laughs> we we always take ourselves really seriously. I think that's why we we are here actually because we do take things way too seriously. Yeah. Um, we wanted to trademark the name, um, and I yeah, it, we actually wanted to trademark our jam biscuits. I think that's how it started mm. because we were like, oh, it's 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 so unique to what we do. Oh, we want to trademark uh, these biscuits. And then we went to a trademark solicitor and she said, well, you know, hold your horses. I think the first step you need to do is trademark your actual name. It's like, oh, okay. And then it turned out that somebody already had Bloom within the baking space. So we couldn't, we couldn't trademark that name. So we had to go back to the drawing board. Um, we hired a digital marketing agency in Leeds, um, and they, I mean, they, they were fantastic. I mean, I, that whole experience was just so brilliant. It was the first time that we sat down after so many years. Uh, I think we had about five hours or more with them on a day. And they took our entire journey out of our minds into their, um, I don't know, sketchbook, notebook, whatever. And then three months later, they they came to us with with this beautiful name. All good agency leads. They yeah. are amazing. There will be a link to them in the show notes. We'll give them a shout out. Yes, please. <laughs> and you've also got yourself premises as well now, haven't you? Yeah. So we outgrew the little um, kitchen space in our old um, agency probably a year into it. The first Christmas we did there was already a stretch and we knew we couldn't do another Christmas in there. Christmas is by far our busiest period. And we started looking because we were aware it would take months before we could actually move. We started looking in March, knowing we'd have to be somewhere by October, really. Um, and it, it, we were quite um, demanding, I suppose, but what we wanted, we knew we wanted to have a really nice and airy space, wanted to be close enough to home, ideally walk to work, like all these things. And again, we'd work with our coach on it. It was like, just write it all down. And I was like, it's never going to happen. Um, and then we, we found this link uh, to a building that is literally up the road from where Saskia lives. And I sent her a link and I said, that's where you live. And she said, oh, yeah, that's been empty for ages. I'm like, well, it's on this side. So let's have a look. She said, oh, I suppose. But it was for sale and we wouldn't, didn't want to buy anything. But then all of a sudden it come available to, to rent. So we viewed it. It was a derelict convenience store. It was um, a mess. And it needed a lot of TLC, which we gave it. So we went for it Um uh, put... Yeah, this time last year we got the keys. So for about two and a half months, we yeah worked again like donkeys, scrubbing uh, mm -hmm. uh, wallpaper off the the ceiling and painting and uh, filling holes and and all the joys. And um, and then in um, on Halloween we moved, and the first of November we started our Christmas trade, and we baked twenty seven thousand biscuits in six weeks in that space, which was a new record. And all by hand, you know, I think people sometimes go 27,000 biscuits, it's handmade, everything is handmade. We rolled every single biscuit by hand, cut it by hand, decorated by hand, packed by hand um, with our little team of working mums. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> so let's just change, change tack slightly. Um, you know, I came across you guys, must be three or four years ago via social media. And, you know, you're very active on LinkedIn. And I know you said recently you're, you're both introverts, which watching you today, I wouldn't say. How do you match being introverts with, with you know, some quite deep and personal stuff that you do right on LinkedIn? Mm, I think we both love writing. Um, I have always loved writing. I, and selfishly, <laughs> I think I use LinkedIn a little bit as a permission to write. I think in the day-to-day, 
of being a mum to young children, of just not having time. Um, it's, I think I started on LinkedIn seriously, maybe one and a half year, two years ago now. And I, and I've, I felt it was a really nice place to document the journey and to ha take other people along the ride. Something that I, and my, you know, all my acquaintances and friends in Leeds will tell you that I, I don't talk about this business um, a lot. I don't, because it always feels like I'm, oh, look at me, you know, running my own business and being so successful, which, you know, isn't any anything like the truth. But I, I enjoy documenting it, and I and I treat LinkedIn a little bit like a diary, and I and I might think that Lisa might do the same, which is a bit odd, I guess. What I would also add is that being introverted for me manifests in what being around people does to my energy levels. So I don't mind sharing personal stories without oversharing, I hope. But I that isn't being introverted to me. Introverted to me means if I'm in a room full of people, I like it sometimes but I'm exhausted afterwards. Whereas writing on LinkedIn, it's just me behind the screen and I'm safe. Um, so that, that is how, how it manifests for me. And I'm, I'm 100% an introvert in, in that sense that I, I can speak on stage even. I'm not worried about that. It's not, you know, it's just the being the around too time. many people exhausts me and I need a break after that. It doesn't give me energy like it would an extrovert. And I also think, you know, if you... We are so passionate about this business. Like I, I could talk to you all day. Like to anybody who wants to hear it, I can talk to you about this all day because I'm I'm so deeply passionate about it that um, that for for this I am willing to be vocal and open and cross lines that I otherwise maybe would never have because it, it would put the fear of God into me, but because I want other people to know about it, because I've seen the response to people hearing our story, that makes me just want to go into that space because it, it benefits everything around this business. Yeah, that, I totally agree with that. And, and, and I'm the same. I'd, I'd much rather stand on stage and speak to 100 people than be in a networking event. Yeah. A couple of posts you, you've posted recently, I think, were, were fascinating, and it'd be interesting for you to share them with our audience. Is, is the first um, was a list of lessons from bootstrapping. Do you want to share that with our audience, if you can remember what you wrote? <laughs> yeah, testing me now. Uh, is that the one from yesterday? It might be, yeah. Yeah, I think so. I mean, the lessons are obvious because we still know them, even if it, yeah, if definitely. So I think, I think um, when we started this we might have kept ourselves small for quite a long time because we didn't have a business background. We didn't have investors. We didn't have, you know, a rich dad to, to ask for help or advice. It was just us figuring it all out by ourselves. And I remember speaking to some people and they were chucking around acronyms and business speak. And I was like, I don't even know what that means. I need to look that up when I leave this meeting. Um, and I've learned that it honestly doesn't even matter. Like as long as, you know the things you need to know. Of course, there's always more to know, but there's even more to know for the person who has studied business and who has run 15 businesses. So I feel it's all like a wall they're building to keep certain people out. And I want to knock that down and go, everybody's welcome. And you might just need to figure a few things more out on the way, but you will. It's really not that complicated, the basics. And then obviously it gets complicated. Um, but this whole... I want to inspire people to to start something. And I always say that clarity comes from action, not thought. So I think people just don't ever take that first step because of those things, because of those acronyms and because of hearing things like revenue and six-figure business. And I think what I said yesterday is in that post that it doesn't matter how much money you turn out. It's all about cash flow in the end. And it's not about what um, fancy acronyms you use. It's about the value you add. Um, it doesn't matter how many hours you hustle and sh and 
kind of put a badge of honor to your busyness. It's about the the time you make to rest and reassess if what you're doing is actually in line with your values. If it's if it's if you're prioritizing the right things. Um, so there's so many so many other things. What else did I say? Well, I, not a hundred percent sure all of the things you said in there, but but I guess with bootstrapping comes is very much I think when people hear that word they hear money. Um, so a lot of the people around us, I always feel like, oh yeah, we, we got a bank loan or we're, we're going out to our second round of, of investing round and we're going to ask for, you know, I don't know, 150,000 because we want to do X, Y, and Z. Um, and we, we look at it occasionally. We're like, oh yeah, well, I guess, you know, these people are doing that with that, that amount of money. Um, but we always come back to the conclusion that we want to keep this business really close to ourselves because we don't want to be speaking to a, a bunch of shareholders um, who have other ideas about how this business should be run. And I think we so much of our joy in running this business comes because we run it on our own terms. But it does mean it's not for everybody. It does mean, I mean, we haven't said this, but Lisa put in 500 pounds in 2016. I put in 500 pounds in 2016. And that is literally the only monetary amount that we ever put into this business. For the first three years, I don't think we paid ourselves anything other than, oh yeah, maybe we can grab a coffee whilst we're on the market, you know, standing in the rain when it was pouring it down. Um, and, and that was a joy to us. I mean, um, and now we run a team of um, with nine, nine people and we make a quarter of a million turnover, which again says F all <laughs> because it's not about how much you're turning over. It's about how much profit you're making, which is another thing that I've learned. You know, you can turn over three, four million uh, and make one percent profit. And, you know, fair enough that that the more millions you make, the smaller the percentage of profit can be for it to be of, 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 of a meaningful uh, amount. But yeah, to really understand how well a business takes over, you you got to understand more than just how much somebody's turning over. I mean, 250 grand turnover, that's, you know, you should give yourselves a huge pat on the back for that. That's, that's amazing from, 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 you know, like you said, a, a, a stall in Kirkdown Market. That's amazing. You should be very proud. And I, and I know you are. And I know you are. <laughs> yeah. yeah, every once in a while we are. We are a bit proud. Yeah. <laughs> no, we are. It's, but again, it's, it comes down to your values, doesn't it? And we're never going to be people who spend money on a big fancy car. Like the things that we care about are monetary. So, of course, we, we are business. We need to make money. But what gives us the joy and what makes us get out of bed in the morning is those little things, is those messages people put on their thank you messages, uh, thank you biscuits, and um, yeah, just give us joy running this 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 thing. And the other thing that I never ever thought would give me so much satisfaction and joy is being able to provide employment mm -hmm. to other people. I mean, that is that 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 has just blown my mind, to be quite honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's the weirdest thing carrying on with just you know patting you guys on the back you've you've won quite a lot of awards recently haven't you yeah 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 we did um it was a great taste that was amazing a great taste is a that great amazing. one yeah because again so many so many biscuit businesses out there especially the branded biscuits there's some huge players that um are quite a lot cheaper than us, um, have a different business model, have different values. Um, but I think we are the first company to receive a great taste award for those biscuits, which is shows, again, that this is so important to us to deliver a product that doesn't only look good, but tastes good because it's a food product. What's the point? You know, you can sell a card if it doesn't matter how it tastes. So, you know, we're real foodies. We love food. So we have a lot of respect for it. And uh, we'd never sell anything that doesn't taste nice. So to have now that stamp and go, actually, some pretty fine palates think it's a good taste is, is amazing. So I'm really proud of that one. 
Yeah. And then we won personality of the year. Yeah. <laughs> award. We share that award between the yes, two of us. personality. <laughs> that was a bit of a trip. Um, but I think, you know, I, I think it does work because for some reason we do work, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which yeah. is, which is a bit of, which is really, really, um, really interesting. It's not, a, it's not a given that your business partner, um, Two two halves make a make a whole in, in in this one. I do believe. Fantastic, fantastic. Now we'll we'll come on to sort of what's next for the business in a minute. But before I do, I need to tell everybody about the Leeds Business Podcast Gentlemen's Agreement and Ladies. Um, it's a two part agreement. My half of the agreement is every week I bring you the listener, inspiring, fascinating, and interesting Leeds business people for free. You, the listener, have got three halves of your deal. It has three steps. Number one, you have to share this podcast with just one person who you think will get value from it. Number two, you need to post a review of the show at either Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. And number three, you need to give this episode a like. That's all. Fair deal? What do you think, girls? Do you think that's a fair deal? I think so. Yeah, definitely. That doesn't take long. There you go. So Lisa and Saskia say you have to do it, so you have to do it. So, okay, you've won lots of awards. You've got 250 grand turnover. How far can this go? I think far. only getting started now. I mean, if you think about it, we only hired our first member of staff two years ago, and we're still in that tiny canteen kitchen. So... Um, and still our space now, you should come around one day, is, is not huge, you know. So if we can make 27,000 biscuits in six weeks from there, then th- we, could do, we could do that every month. Um, and then we could, you know, start more um, bakeries like this one. I think that's what, I don't think we're ever going to be in an industrial estate rolling the machines, pressing the button. That That's just not what inspires us so I think rather than than hitting that way we think we might just start different little shops with the same setup that we have now um, and hire those little teams those little tribes that work together really well um, empower more women more working mums create a work-life balance that works for them um, and the demand is there even now I mean it's difficult times we're definitely seeing a decline in the B2C orders um, but there's always businesses that are doing well, no matter what the economy does. Um, and those are usually the businesses that can afford a luxury good as a as a personalized biscuit. So we are we are doing okay. And um, and also that's just the UK market, you mm-hmm. know. And I would absolutely love because um, we get inquiries from from further afield than the UK as well. I I would love to have a biscuit in Amsterdam. Love to have a biscuit in Nuremberg. Um, I think, yeah, I think it's not a concept that that only works um, in Great Britain. Fantastic, fantastic. And you're 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 very vocal about employing working mums and sort of working working times around their lives. Is that something you're going to continue doing? Yeah, I think when we were working. Um, and as good as our employers were, they, they, they were really quite good. Didn't start off, but as the years progressed, I, I was there for about eight years at the digital marketing company. Um, they, I do feel that they got incrementally better. But I remember um, when I first started working, everybody started at a quarter to nine in the morning. You had to be in. To, you didn't have to actually clock in, but you had to sit behind your desk. If you weren't there, it, it was, okay, where's Saskia? And at the time, I was one of the only ones, if not the only one, who was a mum with a child. And so I had to drop my daughter at nursery, and then I had to cycle to my um, to the office. And I was never there quarter to nine. Couldn't do it because, you know, she didn't want to wear shoes or she was up late or, you know, whatever. Um, and, um, and every time I had to explain myself. And I thought, that's just ridiculous because if I'm 10 minutes late... I am a conscious person, so I will work 10, 10 minutes longer. It's not that I'm just, you know, I'm not going to work those 10 minutes. Um, and so I just thought, 
you got to trust people, you know, and you got to provide a place of work where people are inspired to, to do well. And I also was bothered by the fact that my, my daughter was in childcare longer than I was actually in my work of employment because I had to drop her off before I went to work. And then I, do you know what I mean? She was there for nine hours whilst I was at work for eight hours. Um, and so when we looked at hiring our first employees, we were like, okay, well, we want everybody to be able to drop their kids at school if they want to. We want everybody to be able to pick up their kids from school if they want to. So our core opening hours were 9.30 to 2.30. That's how we started. And then afterwards, you know, we very much look at it from the point of view that we have conversations with each and every employee in our business. Where are you at in your stage of parenting? What do you need for your stage of parenting? People who are single parents, you know, they might need to work 40 hours a week. Well, 37 and a half is our full-time working week, but they might need that because they are the main provider of income for their, for their children. So I don't want to force them to work school hours only. So it's very much a, what do you need to make your personal life work? And then we make work fit around that. I also think it's criminal how much experience and knowledge and skill is hidden away at home just because employers fail to offer a flexible work environment for, you know, highly skilled and intelligent women. I, I, I can think of two very close friends who just never went back to work after having children because they asked for four days and their employers wouldn't give them four days. So they've ne they never went back. And what, what a shame, you know, it's, it's, it's a loss for everybody. And probably not for those mums and children because they enjoy each other for a few more years and then I'm sure they find another way. But I just don't think it makes any sense. Um, so it's it's very very important for us to keep that going for sure, um, and to to shout about the fact that women don't lose their skills or their brains when they have children. We might be a bit slower, a bit more tired for a few months or years, um, but we can still add real value, and we're not just some, you know, oh yeah, let the let the working mum have a little job. They're bagging biscuits, you know. It's more than that. Like they can. They can really shine where in in our in our um, place, and and we'd love to just well we are shouting about it so that other people give them a chance. <laughs> yeah, and we didn't want to go you know down the charity route of where you know these women need charity because I I don't believe that at all. Like Lisa said, these are fully functioning, highly skilled women who participate in the. Um, how you said, in, in, in the business world fully, you know, and they're rewarded financially for their for their um, time. time and knowledge. So I, I, I would never dream of, of, of being a, a charity because I think that, that they're not charitable cases. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's absolutely fantastic. And, and that actually leads us into, um, you know, every guest I have on Leeds Business Podcast, we do a we do a how to session. Um, so you guys are going to do how to, so take it away. We're going to talk about how to bring more female values into the world of work and how to attract, um, maybe more women or working moms and how to make that happen. So I'm just going to start because I received a DM on LinkedIn the other day about someone asking me how we managed to create a culture that celebrates working mums. Um, and how we walk that tightrope between, you know, the, the administrative challenges maybe with summer holidays um, whilst um, maintaining that ethos and, and um, staying true to our values. So what I would say is if you run a business um, and are in a place to, to employ people, uh, if you want to attract working mums, you, you probably will have to consider offering part-time roles. It's just the reality of, of things, especially for the early years. School finishes at three o'clock unless the people put their children after school club and breakfast club. It's just not feasible to work, um, you know, up to 40 hours. So anything from 
30 hours is probably going to make the world of a difference to those families. So if you're able to offer just slightly reduced hour contracts, that will automatically help you attract um, mothers or, or women. Um, I spoke to someone the other day who said, I only have males, male applications for my senior roles. It's like, it's probably because it's full time and you're naturally going to um, attract more, more men because they don't have that um, double burden. And by the way, we're not anti-men at all. You know, I want to stress that we have really supportive husbands. We have wonderful dads. We have amazing sons. We're not anti-men, but we think um, the business world isn't cut out for women and that has to change. Um, so the other thing I would say is that, um, yeah, the flexible working is, is, is huge. Um, and also listen Like I mentioned before, listen to your mums. Like one working mum, just because they're mum doesn't make them the same mum as the second mum that walks through the door. My children are aged uh, 11 and 9. Somebody else has children that are four years old. That is a completely different reality. You, you cannot compare those two stages of motherhood. Um, so again, be open to the conversation and to the responses that you're going to hear because they are not the same and you do have to be flexible into saying, okay, for the next year, this is what you want. For the next year, uh, you know, mum three wants something complete and needs something completely different. But if you open your mind up to the idea of, okay, that's why she needs it and this isn't, she's not making this up, this is, this is real. Because I understand that a lot of managers, if you don't have children yourself, it is such a difficult, difficult reality to understand. And, um, you know, it's, this is not transferable knowledge that, that people can give you what, what the reality really is like. But I would say, please, please, please believe the mothers when they tell you their realities. It, it really is true. They're not making this stuff up. And we, we get so many, I mean, I'm, I'm not lying, we probably get a request once a week of someone who wants to work with us. So that shows you the power of having that flexibility in a market where people are struggling to recruit talent. Um, we can pick and choose who works for us just because we offer flexible working and because we get it. I think that's literally, it's It's priceless is what our employees tell. It's priceless that we get it. You know, we don't just, we haven't just read, read a book about business. We have lived experience of the struggles of working mothers. So we know exactly what it's like when school tells you the night before that they, they finish at 12 the next day and you're due to work a full day. Um, so I think that is a prime female value is this empathy and compassion and going, I, I get it. I, I feel you. I've been there. Let's make it work. How can we make it work? And I'm not saying it's easy. You know, we spend a lot of time planning the summer holidays, planning half term, making sure everybody is, you know, that the work is covered. The work is all done whilst we are at the school gate and at the little assembly and all these other little things that school throws at us. Um, but it's worth it because our people are so we trust them and they are so committed um, and it's such just such a lovely environment you know it's it's not just a job it's it's you know we're building this little tribe and and I, I'd like to think that we help their um, you know their, their confidence you know and they might not be with us forever but hopefully they can go into a different role with a different um, with their head held a little higher and go and I'm 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 a valuable I'm an asset and I'm not just a number and uh, I have children, but that doesn't mean I can't do a good job. That's fantastic. That's absolutely fantastic. And, and hopefully there are some people out there listening who might actually change their attitude to employing uh, mothers and part-time roles and, and being more flexible as to, as to what they can offer rather than, as you said, you have to be in at quarter to nine and you have to finish at five o'clock. That's, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. Um, One other thing we always ask our guests on the Leeds Business Podcast is to give another Leeds business a shout out. So who do you want to give a shout out to? We would like to give a shout out to Nina from Wildcraft Bakery. Um, she, we met her whilst we started on Kirkstall Deli Market um, all those years ago. And she was the friendliest, most helpful 
um, market stall um, com- comrade. <laughs> um, and yeah, we've we followed each other's success um, over the years. She's become a friend. And what she does in the free from section is amazing. Um, she, you know, gluten-free bread, which looks like real bread. It's like, it's amazing. Uh, cakes, pies, biscuits. She does it all and she does it with so much creativity and, um, and passion. She's, um, she's a trooper. Fantastic. There will be a, there'll be a link in the show notes below. So you'll be able to find her as well. Um, so one last question. What would you say is the key business lesson you've learned during your journey so far? For me, um, is that your business can only grow and develop if you as a person grow and develop um, as well. Okay. Lisa? Yeah, mine is similar. What I would, would add is to trust your intuition because you can read all these books and there's so much that your brain will tell you and you can you might feel certain things, but sometimes it's it's your gut that that knows where to go. And it's hard to explain, but Sask and I have taken so many decisions that might not have made sense in your head or in our heads, but we're like, it just doesn't sit right. It just doesn't feel right. Let's, and it's sometimes hard decisions because there might be more money on the table if we'd gone for it, but we didn't, and it was never it was never the wrong choice. So I would say trust your intuition. On that basis, I would say Lisa and Saskia, thank you so much for your time today. It's been absolutely fascinating. And if anybody wants to order a biscuit, links in the show notes, you'll be able to get them from the biscuitery. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode. I hope you found it both interesting and of use. To make sure you don't miss any future episodes, please subscribe to the show. Go on, do it now. Do it now before you go off and do something else. Much appreciated. Oh, and don't forget our gentleman's agreement. See you next week. <laughs>